Hello and welcome to Bionic Chronicles podcast. My name is Kinsey Paul and today Caitlin Mansfield and I will be discussing feminism. Okay, I'm Caitlin Mansfield. I attend high school with Kinsey when we went to school and I do girlston empowerment and a bunch of other extracurriculars with her. Yeah, and so we're very inclined in STEM and advocating for women empowerment. So today we're going to talk about feminism. So do you want to start on what the definition is and what it's not? Okay, so yeah, there are a lot of misconceptions, especially in some of the more rural areas that we live in. Feminism is advocating for women's rights on the basis of equality, equal opportunity, equal pay, things like that. And a lot of people, when I say that I am a feminist or I have feminist beliefs, try to tell me, like, oh, you're saying that women are better than other genders or saying, like, women deserve more than other genders. And that's not really what it is. It's just wanting the equality for women that to be treated on the same level as men. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. And I remember, especially in junior high, when the feminist movement really became evident and a lot of people started talking about it how many boys would make fun of anybody who tried to like say they were feminists like they would call them radical and obviously make a lot of jokes about them well yeah they I remember like being afraid to even talk about it and stuff like that in junior high just because I knew I was just gonna get made fun of by the guys in my grade and even I agree um, even some of the girls in my grade, really, because they did, they wanted to be, like, seen by the guys as, like, cool, I guess. So they also oh, yeah. shot that kind of stuff down. Totally. And I think insecure men feel very threatened by powerful women, which is kind of funny. But, yeah, I definitely believe that. And I mean, it's not like women are trying to take opportunities away from men, but we just want to be considered as equal. I don't really think that's too much to ask. (laughs) Caitlin, that is so radical. How dare you? (laughs) How dare you fight for equality, which is the founding principle of our country? It's crazy. We're still fighting for equality, and our country has been a country for how long now? You know what I'm saying? It's just like... Yeah, it's ironic, I think. And frustrating. Although I am grateful that our lottery system landed us here in the U.S. I mean, we could have been literally born anywhere just by chance. That's pure luck. And we did, I mean, the U.S. is one of the best countries for women, obviously. And I am thankful for that. Yeah, I was thinking about that, like, the other day, like, oh, what if I had been born here instead of in the United States? And I am grateful for where we are just because of, I feel like there are even more opportunities for women here as opposed to some other countries in the world. Yeah, totally. So do you want to start talking about some feminist issues like the division of work and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so... The statistic we have is that 8 out of 10 women say that they are doing more housework than their male partners, and this statistic increases for women with children. And it's basically saying that even though now we view modern relationships more of a partnership where 
both parties of their relationship are kind of being the breadwinners versus like 1950s where the man was the breadwinner and the woman was a housewife. Even now in a more equal relationship, the woman still feels like she's doing more of the work at home than the man. And I yeah. Feel like I feel like it's easier for a woman to fall into that kind of stereotype just because we have like the whole domestic bliss, housewife, clean, makeup done, waiting for her husband to come home, and she's a very doting mother taking care of the kids and all of that stuff. And the husband just like goes to work and comes back basically is like the stereotype. And I feel like it's easier to, for a woman to fall into that just because of the history of it happening for so long. Yeah, totally. I definitely agree. I mean, speaking of the history, my English teacher showed us a list from a home ec book in like the 1950s. And it's the title of it is How to Be a Good Wife. And it lists like nine or 10 things that are the most sexist things I've ever heard of about like how one should like live her life just to impress men. And like some examples of the rules were like whenever the your husband gets home like treat him like royalty because you've been at home all day and he's had a stressful day at work and whenever he gets home you have to prep his meal get it all ready and make sure to put on nice clothes and touch up your makeup and don't speak to him unless he speaks to you first all kinds of just completely misogynistic stuff yeah, that that makes me angry, but I feel like, especially then and not as much now, thankfully, the man was definitely placed on a pedestal, almost, like, to be worshipped, and I don't, I feel like the woman should be up there with him instead of work doing the worshipping. Yeah, and that's one thing Caitlin and I have talked about before, is, like, we feel that housework is more split evenly now than it was like in my household like my mom will cook and my dad will do the dishes or the laundry things like that instead of like my mom just doing everything or my dad just doing everything it's all pretty well split split about evenly yeah that's pretty much the same in mine like I feel like today we're having better examples of how housework can be split between a couple to where both of them are able to have full-time jobs and the house is still clean and the kids are still fed. And I think that's a good example for younger generations to have. So then when they grow up and they, they find a partner and they have their own children, then they're splitting the housework evenly instead of piling it on one half of the relationship. Yeah, and I think that that all stems from just the double standard. Or just like, yeah, no, I would say the double standard. And speaking of double standard, I think we should bring up makeup and the role that that plays in women's lives and how it's kind of transitioning a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we still definitely see like putting on makeup to impress men, I guess, or to cover insecurities, but I also think we're seeing a lot more of putting on makeup because you enjoy doing your makeup and it allows you to be creative, which is good to see, but then there's also the whole like take her swimming on the first date thing, so all her makeup comes off, so I feel like 
men are kind of suspicious still of women who wear makeup. It's kind of ridiculous, though, and that is the double standard because if you don't wear makeup and you're not naturally a 10 out of 10, men frown upon that. But then if you wear makeup and even like lots of makeup, then it's bad because you're trying too hard to be beautiful or, you know, you're just doing it for the attention of men. And I don't know, it's such a tricky thing to navigate, I think. Well, and you don't see men doing the same thing. Like, you don't yeah. see men putting on makeup because they're not naturally handsome enough for women. And you don't see women telling men, you need to put makeup on because you're not naturally beautiful enough for me. Or at least exactly. I don't see women doing that. No. And that... I don't know. It is interesting. And sometimes I do... Because, I don't know, the more and more like, really empowering, very smart women that I meet, I notice that a lot of them don't wear makeup, and that is so awesome, because I don't know if they do it on purpose or just, like, out of retaliation for the double standard, but either way, I think it's really cool to, like, break boundaries like that. Like, that's a very subtle thing that, like, some women do, and it, it is a big statement, like, how many women are willing to do that, and... Yeah. I don't know. I really appreciate that. Yeah, just like the statement of, I don't care if you're going to scrutinize my face because I'm confident in it. Yeah. Powerful and, statement. And I, I think it says a little bit about like who they are as a person. Like, I'm confident in my own abilities and I'm not just my face. You know, like I'm not just yeah. my physicalities. And I really like that. I think it draws a, little, a lot more attention to the work that they're doing as well. Yeah, I agree. Which is important because, like, me personally, I want to be known for the work that I've done and not really anything else. Yeah, 100%. And beauty fades, you know, after yeah. so many years. Just a thought. And the other thing I was going to bring up is that I feel like the whole, like, YouTube beauty guru kind of industry is kind of helping the fact that, like, yeah. women wear makeup and then some people even enjoy, like, applying it and doing fun eyeshadow and things like that. I feel like seeing people actually have an entire career based off of, like, doing their makeup and filming tutorials and whatnot is kind of helping women be like, oh, okay, like... Or not women, men be like, oh, okay, they're like, they're not exactly hiding their insecurities. They're also like having fun with this. I like makeup as a sense of art and individual expression more than just beauty. And I, I think that brings it back like to its simplest form. Like when they started using makeup, just like any kind of indigenous culture where it's just color, splashes of color on like, different surfaces of the body to enhance it and not necessarily just for a woman to make them feel or look prettier for the attention of men kind of thing. Yeah, like, they're having fun with it and it's, like, a way that they're expressing themselves and their culture and not trying to make themselves more attractive or cover up an insecurity that they're having. And I think that the double standard could lead us to talking about the luxury tax on feminine hygiene products. What do you have to say about that? Uh, I would just like to 
say to whoever, whoever the people in charge of legislation from that, just ask them, like, do you think that I would consider menstruation a luxury? Do you think, like, if I could choose whether or not to have this, that I would still, like, choose it? Because I know, like, I guess the ability to get um, pregnant and have a child and conceive and all that kind of stuff is kind of a luxury because I know there are some people that can't do that. But it still makes me angry because it's like, I didn't have a choice really in this matter. And I don't really think that having access to like pads and tampons is a luxury for me because like, it's not a luxury. It shouldn't be a luxury. Everyone should have access to things that keep them hygienic and clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Viagra is considered a medical necessity, but access to pants and tampons, Pads and tampons are not, which is so crazy. There's a statistic, I can't remember exactly how many, but I think it's like, it's a good chunk of women don't have access to affordable, or they cannot afford, I guess, like pads and tampons. And that is so devastating because it's not, oh my goodness, it's not any woman's problem. Everyone has to go through this and... My goodness, not even making them cheap, but putting a luxury tax on them? That's insane. That's that's so insane. Well, and then on top of that, I feel like even today still, a lot of women are even afraid to talk about it in, with other people, which is an issue of like getting it to not be a luxury tax because I feel like women are afraid to even bring up the fact that they're having a period because there's a stigma. Like you're supposed to be quiet. No one can know. Yeah, there's a stigma, 100%. I I think that that's a big thing. Like, I remember when, like, a lot of us started our periods in junior high, girls would be so embarrassed about it and so secretive. Like, they would keep their feminine products in, like, a little bag, and, like, any time that they needed to go change anything out during school hours, they would, like be very very secretive about it and it shouldn't be that way at all yeah I felt like I was afraid for anyone to know that I was like dealing with that but I was kind of forgetting that literally everyone essentially every girl in my grade was also experiencing it yeah and how many like pool parties I think that I've been to and whichever girl was like on her period didn't want to get in the pool and everybody would be like oh like why do you not want to get in the pool and they'd just be like oh well I don't really feel good but then like secretly they tell one or two people that they're on their period and it's just like it doesn't need to be that way and I don't know what creates that stigma or that embarrassment but it shouldn't be there my goodness I feel like a lot or not a lot of it but at least some of it is like I feel like when I was, like, told about it by those groups that, like, come in and talk to girls about what, like, they're changing bodies and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like I was kind of told to be secretive about it. Yeah, I agree. I and, agree. Like, like, you have to make sure that you don't, like, your moods don't change and, like, you're, like, all of this stuff so that the guys don't know that anything's happening. But I feel like that shouldn't be the case. I think women need to talk and be more open about it because, like I've told you before, I don't know if you've seen, 
I think it was, I can't remember what platform it was on. It's probably been on all social media platforms by now. But it was in some form of government where they were in like a committee meeting and a woman excused herself to like go to the restroom so that way she can do like her feminine business. And one of the men in the room was like, um, can't you just hold it? And she was like, what in the world? And the guy really had no idea that women can't control that. Like, you can't just hold it in and let all of that out later. Like, that's not it. It just happens. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like the people that are, like, that decided the luxury tax legislation may not have had the best education about, like, what is actually happening during that time of a woman's life and I feel like that's also part of the problem is that like men and that like the puberty education thing that comes to schools I feel like they're not really informed of what's happening to the women and the women aren't informed of what's happening to the men and I feel like they kind of should be just because of issues like this where maybe women aren't as represented in the legislation as they probably should be Because I would consider, if Viagra gets to be a medical necessity, I feel like pads and tampons should be too. (laughs) 100%. And I do feel like either the men in the room who... Because obviously, I'm pretty sure whenever they decided to put a luxury tax on feminine hygiene products, I'm sure there there were not any women in the room. I'm pretty sure it was probably all men. And in that case, I'm sure that they did not have enough adequate education, or they did, and they're just very discriminative. And who knows what the what the answer was. And that also reminds me, I did see a TikTok last night, and it was the, like a mom and two sisters, and they were questioning one of the brothers, and they were like, so like, why do you think that women have periods? And the kid, he was probably, I'd say about 18 or 19, and he could not, he was so embarrassed, and he he tried to form a couple of sentences, and then he decided on, is it, like, their mating season? And that explains the American sex education system in a 15-second video. It's so badly taught, like, I I know they don't need to like go in depth on it, I guess, because I feel like that would be kind of traumatic for like fifth grade boys and the same thing for fifth grade girls, like going in depth about the guys. But I feel like they at least need to know like they can't control it. It is not a luxury. And And they shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah. My goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. And. That's like the. Have you seen those simulation, like period cramps or like the oh, birth like the pain simulation? Birth. Yeah. And whenever men put those simulators on, and then afterwards they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you go through that. And not that, not that I'm an advocate that every man should have to go through that, but I am an advocate, I would say, that every man should go through that so they have a little bit of a basis or like, a tiny understanding of what it's like well yeah and then the other thing like the whole stereotype like if a girl is emotional or angry (laughs) the automatic assumption is that she's on her period I think every girl has experienced that at some point 
I mean, it makes me so mad. It's like, can so I just be terrible. Like, I feel like every time I get passionate or emotional about something, I have at least one guy ask me that question, and it's like, no. I, and I don't understand where they learn that from. Like, why does every man think that that's acceptable? I think that should be under the same category. Like, don't ask people their weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why? Why? That's such like, a... Why is that any of your business to even ask them? Like, the only reason you're asking is so that you'll they'll stop being so emotional in front of you. Yeah, totally. Oh, and... So, Caitlin and I tried to record this episode, like, a week ago, and then it didn't didn't record all of it, but one of the things that we looked up was, like, the CEO of Tampax, and guess what? It's a man. It's a man. So, if that didn't ruin your day, I don't know what will. So, yeah, pretty awful. Maybe he's doing a great job. Maybe. That's what we talked about. Maybe he does have, like, a wife and daughters, and they're all very talkative about it and stuff, but I don't know. Oh, the other thing we were talking about that led us into that was, like, if pads and tampons were free, would the quality go down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That And that's that's what we said. I, I And I think that maybe, like, since we are completely surrounded by capitalism and, like, we're seeing that like, really badly now with the coronavirus as far as, like, price gouging and that kind of stuff. I think that if pads and tampons were free and men were in charge of them, I think that they would definitely decrease the quality because they don't understand, or a lot of them don't understand the purpose behind them. But if women were in charge of the pads and tampons industry, I don't think that they would decrease the quality because they understand what it like, what it means to have a nice quality pad or tampon, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, and then, like, when the tampon was first, like, developed and sold for the first time, and they had all of these, like, toxic shock issues because of certain qualities of the tampon, I feel like, at least there, there's a certain standard as far as, like, the quality of the product, and I feel like at least that would have to be maintained just because... Otherwise, women would literally die. Yeah, literally. And I th- another thing that we brought up is how a couple months ago in Alabama, the governor or somebody high up proposed a law that <laughs> restricted, like, men's reproductive rights and said, like, after 50, all men have to, like, get a vasectomy or whatever, that kind of thing. And it was just really funny, the responses, because men got so upset, like, just unbelievably just so upset about it. And it's ironic because, so for example, men should not interfere with women's reproductive rights, and women shouldn't interfere with men's reproductive rights. And, yeah, it's a two-way street. Yeah, and I feel like... um the people trying to do, like, the when you're 50, get a vasectomy thing were kind of being, like, satirical to the men. Like, do you see how ridiculous the things yeah. that you're proposing are? I totally agree. I, I really don't think that 
it's really a man's choice what a woman does with her body and I don't think I like vice versa I don't think that women should get to decide what a man does with his body because like it's not really our decision but I feel like everyone should have the right to choose and I feel like legislation that takes that choice away is wrong completely and that's one of the things we talked about is the double standard there about how whenever anyone gets pregnant it's always oh my goodness she is such a you know what or whatever and the whoever the man is in the situation the dad never gets brought up ever yeah like no one really um faults the father it's always the mother's fault especially like teen pregnancies it's always the mom's fault and you oh never yes see, like the dad getting accused of doing wrong but and i will are say, just oh you go <laughs> oh i was just gonna say that they're untouchable in that situation they're too pure even though they're the ones who get women pregnant in the first place I feel like a lot more now on social media with teen pregnancies, though, like, the dad is more in the picture than I feel like he used to be, at least. Like, I feel like there yeah. are a couple examples now, at least, of, like, teen couples with kids or a kid, and the dad mm -hmm. has taken just as much responsibility as the mom, and that's refreshing to see. Yeah, I agree. Another powerful women situation that we wanted to talk about was the women in like the movie Hidden Figures which is based on the real life situation about like getting to the moon and Katherine Johnson how she just passed away that she made such an impact on women women's empowerment in STEM fields and I'm glad that um that movie exists and that people are still talking about her today because I feel like for a long time, people didn't really know about pe people like women's contributions to NASA in general and just especially back then. Yeah, and I feel like women like her paved the way for people like me and people like you to say like, oh, if she can do it, I can too. I want to pursue a career in the STEM field and I'm not going to be afraid because I've seen her be successful at it. And she had to overcome a lot more than I will have to, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's, it's especially empowering for, like, all women of color in STEM fields. Because women in STEM are one thing, but people of color in STEM are another, too. And that's a smaller minority. And so I think that that's just empowering for all kinds of minorities and makes me so happy that they made that movie and so many people have watched it and it's a really good film. And I feel like she also helped to like break the stereotype of women are not capable as, of being as smart as men because I don't think that's true at all. No, definitely not. And that's one of the things that Girls to Empowerment, Caitlin and I's organization brings about is that it's not that women don't choose STEM fields because they're not smart enough for them, but it's just the lack of, or the, the stereotyping and the lack of role models. And, you know, like women are told from a very young age that they're not meant to do STEM. And it affects us our whole lives. Yeah, like, especially more in junior high and now, like when people find out, oh, I want to go into like 
medical research and engineering, like in that realm, I always, I've been told several times, you better get used to being the only girl in the room. And I don't think that I should have to, to be honest, because I feel like there should be more opportunities for a woman to get that kind of experience and be in the kinds of fields that we're talking about here, like engineering, technology, things like that. Like, it, I shouldn't be told, like, you better get used to being the only woman in the room. Like, you should be, I feel like I should have been told, oh, tell your friends about it. Get more girls involved and interested in this kind of thing. I yeah. And I always tell Caitlin this story, but whenever I was planning out my whole high school career schedule, I was planning on taking several, like, technology drafting type classes. But whenever I got to high school, I realized that girls don't take those classes. And I didn't want to be the only girl, so I didn't take any of those classes until this last semester of my high school, I decided to enroll in computer science, and of course I'm the only girl in there, but I absolutely love computer science. It's a beautiful subject, and I wish I would have gotten more involved in those types of classes earlier, because I, I just, I don't know, it, it's crazy that that affects girls so much and like you know that it does you know that that's why girls don't take those classes because they don't want to be the only girl and I feel like that's kind of the beauty of these all-girls stem camps that are coming about like Purdue's um, women in engineering week kind of thing same thing that's happening at U of E and stuff like that I yeah. think that's the beauty of it because you know going in it's it's going to be all girls so you don't have to worry about that because I've gone to camps where they're it's like co-ed more integrated and I've been the only girl there for the whole week and it I'll tell you it's not been fun but I mean yeah at that point it's social exclusion like in my computer science class I don't have any friends none of them want to talk to me and like when guys are all in an environment together like sexual harassment is way more prominent so much more likely to happen and I will totally agree that's my only class where Guys adamantly make sexual references. They haven't harassed me yet sexually. They have harassed me. That's another thing. But it's just things like that that scare women away. That really sucks. Yeah, and I feel like part of why I still am, I guess, like comfortable putting myself into that kind of situation is just because like, my mom is a woman in STEM and I've gotten to look up to her my whole life. And I know yeah. that a lot of her job has not been easy and getting to where she is today, like her position in the company has not been easy, but I've just seen like it's possible to overcome all of these things and still have a pretty happy life and still get to feel like you're showing your work, your worth and your job. And I feel like that's really important for me to see. And I feel like it's important for girls everywhere to have that kind of a role model to see like, oh. She overcame a lot of stuff, but, like, men are, like, like men admire her for her work now. And she yeah, doesn't get as much flack for her gender and things like that, which is really awesome. Yeah, that's another thing I forgot to mention is that all men aren't bad. There are so many male allies out there, and I'm so thankful for that. But there are, there are a lot of men who are scared of this transition of equality and that that is very hindering I think 
Yeah, and I I remember I'll never forget I was in a I was in a restaurant with my mom and she saw a coworker and he wouldn't shake her hand. And that always really bothered me cuz I was like I don't understand why he wouldn't shake her hand cuz she works with a lot of people internationally with her job. Yeah. It always really bothered me that he wouldn't shake my mom's hand cuz I was like why won't you? She's awesome. Yeah, that that really that just reminded me of the podcast called H3H3. It's Hila and Ethan Klein. And in one episode, they were talking about how whenever any kind of like international, like men, especially from the Middle East, which is like who, like, I guess your mom like works with those kind of international people, they won't talk to Gila even though Gila is in charge of the management and the business aspect of their podcast and they'll go straight to Ethan and be like hey we want to do this and this and Ethan's like I don't have anything to do with this this is all Gila and they refuse to talk to her because she's a woman that's just frustrating because it feels like they're not even seen and that that's horrible it is like, I know my mom's been over to the Middle East for work, and I know, like, they expect her to have the proper dress to cover her body, like, modest clothing and things like that. And it's just, like, you don't see the same standards for men, and it's really frustrating. Yeah, completely. And I think that that takes us on to the religious aspect of feminism, yeah, like, just the question, like, does Christianity slash religion in general allow for feminism? And I think that it does, because at least from my standpoint, I feel like the like the main people of my specific beliefs would love everyone equally and not favor one gender over the other, even though I see a lot of that. Like, in the news with churches and stuff like that, like, telling women that they can't do certain things or they can't have any positions of leadership in the church. And that's just really frustrating to see because it's, like, and I've seen, I think it was on Pinterest, maybe, like, quotes, like, why should a man tell me my position and, like, tell a woman my position in the church? Like, I feel like, I feel like the man really shouldn't have that much decision over women yeah and I want to add something to that discussion so my ex-boyfriend his church hence I just said ex-boyfriend so glad I got out of that one but he stopped going to church because his pastor retired and the new pastor is a woman yeah who is also gay but I do you see where I'm going with this? And That's I put awful. up with this man. I feel it, like he wasn't the only one to leave that church because of it either. Oh, no way. Completely. Uh, and it's so disheartening because of... Uh, it's so disheartening. My church does this thing where they, like, there are six preachers and they, like, rotate once a week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there is one woman in the circulation, which is more than a lot of other churches could say. Yeah. And we have like 
specific women's Bible studies and women's lunches and things like that, that are all like new things that we're adding within the last year. But I really like it because I feel like it, there needs to be some places that for women in the church to go to just be with women in the church because yeah, like I have had a lot of negative experiences with just like my age group Bible study at the church because a lot of the guys are kind of like, not like disrespectful to women and they I don't know I don't really know like how to phrase it but they're just like very sexist yeah and I don't want to be around that completely and that's one thing that like like I'm Catholic and I'm gonna go to a Catholic university and that was that was a big aspect for me was whether or not I wanted to immerse myself in that kind of environment because Women don't really have any power in the Catholic Church. And I don't know, because Notre Dame is is on the forefront of, like, those kind of Catholic ideals. Like, they are, they've stated themselves as, like, gay, well, LGBTQ allies, and they've hosted the couple that went to the Supreme Court that got gay gay marriage legal in the United States and that kind of stuff. and. They do have, like, several women empowerment groups, but, and, you know, like, the, the Pope tweets all the time, I follow him on Twitter, and he, he tweets all the time about equality, and it's like, so when is it going to be time for women to have the same power as men in the church, right? Like, when is yeah, that going like to happen? positions of leadership. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like my church is better than... Uh, better about having women in leadership just because we do have a female pastor but we could have more probably in my opinion but like we have like a music worship team that comes out too before the service and the majority of that team is women so I feel like although the preaching isn't even but I feel like in general it's pretty even as far as gender at church like leading the group which I appreciate another imbalance that we see is how like on the international playing field of sports like the Olympics or what other kind of international soccer events that's why the United States the women's team is so good because we have equal rights here in this country and those are, I mean, those are the main competitors in the world are the countries that have equal rights for women's France, Canada, Japan, England. I mean, those are the main players in the in soccer and internationally. And I mean, there there are several country countries that don't allow women to even play. I feel like just like shutting down women and women in athletics I feel like is just not really fair because it's an opportunity for women to get exercise one it's an opportunity for teamwork and camaraderie and things like that but like I feel like if you're going to take away those opportunities from women you should be taking them away from everyone or giving them to everyone I feel like yeah that's I mean that's the basis of equality everybody gets the same opportunities especially since in our country, the women's soccer team gets more traffic and publication than the men's soccer team. I feel like it's such and a good example. And accomplishments. 
Yeah, I think it's a good example for the rest of the world. Like, hey, women should be allowed to play soccer and do all of these other sports that men are allowed to do just because, like, look at the success of this team. Look at, you know what I mean? Like, their worldwide respect, I guess. Like, I feel like everyone pretty much knows who the women's soccer team is in the United States. Yeah, another discrepancy is... I can't believe we're still talking about this in 2020, but education. Education is not equal at all around the world, and that's what people like Malala fight for. And so thankful for her and all other women advocates like Michelle Obama for women's education around the world. Well, yeah, it's frustrating to see like women being told that they have to stop being educated so that their like male peers get to keep going kind of thing yeah I feel like it's terrible I understand like maybe not being able to afford to send every person in the country through their entire education like maybe I can understand that if I really think about it but if they're gonna tell anyone that they have to stop going to school that it should be more like merit-based decisions and intellect-based decisions than just, oh, what gender are you kind of thing. I agree. And then there's the whole debate, or, I mean, the lawsuit that U.S. women's soccer is filing against U.S. soccer as a whole because of the pay discrepancies. It's embarrassing, the fact that our country does that and U.S. soccer does that. Uh, The latest publication that or the latest statement that U.S. Soccer published, because the the core date is scheduled for May, but U.S. Soccer released a statement that said the women's soccer team, although they, you know, they don't produce as many in, in like on-site fans, but they produce more like merch sales, and they're obviously much more decorated than the men. But they should not get paid equally because they, you would, you would have to be much more physically enhanced, like more physically skilled to, be, to play on the men's team. And it goes down to the fundamental abilities of women versus men. And I think that that's disgusting that they would even say that. I mean, they said that for all of the world to see. And the U.S. sets the standard for so many different things and how many people from other countries are going to see that statement and base their soccer programs or just athletic programs in general on that standard that women shouldn't get paid as much as men because, good Lord, they have to be the child bearers and they have big hips and can't run as fast or put on as much muscle. Yeah, and I think it also reflects badly on the WNBA and that the WNBA says they don't pay women as much because the women aren't bringing in as much money. But here the women, I don't remember the exact amount, but it seemed like they were bringing substantially more money in than the men's teams were. And the difference in pay. Equally. Yeah, the difference in pay. First of all, the men's team hasn't even made World Cup qualifying, like the past two World Cups in a row, and we've won on the women's side like the past several World Cups. I mean, it's 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 insane. It's absolutely insane, the difference. But 
like total over the past couple years or I don't know if it's just this year, but the men's program would have to pay the women's program $67 million for it to be even. $67 million. That's just ridiculous. It's insane. Well, like the other thing that I was kind of trying, like thinking of or this reminded me of is like, you know how on movies that sometimes when the female lead isn't paid as much as the male lead, so the male takes a pay cut so that the pay could be even? Yeah. I don't under, like, I feel like some of these men should probably realize that they don't deserve to be being paid more than a woman that's more successful and bringing in more money. Yeah. And it, it's sad that, like, the producers or the directors decide that from the beginning that the male lead is going to be paid more than the female lead. Yeah, it's just, I don't really, it's just not logical to me. Like, if they're very clearly putting in equal amounts of work because they're, work, they're like, starring in a movie together, so they're going to have a lot of scenes together, and, you know, like, that kind of thing. How they could yeah. see that and still be like, oh, they should not be paid the same. Yeah. Well, do you have any other subjects you'd like to talk about? Mm, I don't really think so. I mean, we could kind of shortly promote girls' empowerment. Of course, yes. So, Caitlin and I's organization for promoting like women in STEM is called Girls Empowerment, and our Instagram is called Girls Empowerment IN, and that's the same for our Facebook. So please follow us on that, and we would appreciate any donations. And basically, the mission of the project is just to give young girls more positive experiences in STEM so that they feel more confident to pursue that kind of career. Yeah. And I know when we um, recorded this the first time, it was closer to International or International Women's Day, but it's still kind of close to that. Yeah. And I feel like every day should kind of be International Equality Day, so... Whatever your president, you have to make that new holiday. All right. Oh, Can you give was... us a closing statement? Like a... Sure. <laughs> okay. Well, if you feel at all discriminated against and you are a woman, I highly encourage you to speak up. I am happy with the progress that we are seeing in the world, but there is a lot left to be done. Thank you for listening. If you liked what was said today, please recommend Bionic Chronicles to your friends and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Bionic Chronicles Podcast. Thank you.